I want to talk about how we respond to, to Jesus within our community. The truth is, is that Christmas is wonderful because of all the Christmas traditions that we have. We have so many Christmas traditions. I, I remember growing up always, and if you were here on Wednesday night, you remember always uh, uh, me, me saying, always driving from Charlotte, North Carolina, all, all the way back to Roswell, New Mexico to visit my family. It was always a wonderful Christmas tradition. Um, I, I had so many more. I remember going to uh, watch the plays of uh, Nutcracker. I remember church plays. Anybody grow up participating in church plays or musicals? Yeah. Everybody has been a shepherd at one point in time or another. Uh, Or Mary or Joseph. Um, I just feel bad for all the camels out there. Anybody a camel? A few humps out there. Okay. And um, uh, I, I remember... I remember so many things. I, I think Christmas is so wonderful, not just because of what we do in our homes, but because of the way Christmas is represented all throughout our community. I, I don't think I go into any department store and I, I, uh, without hearing uh, Christmas music singing about Jesus. I, I don't think that I, I can drive down the street without seeing a sign about Christmas. I, I, I know I can't go here at Christ's Legacy without something having to do with Christmas. At Christ's Legacy, we have so many different traditions, and I, I love each and every one of them. I think that uh, uh, to kick off the season, we begin to decorate, and we have Christmas service and Christmas sermon series, and we have so many Christmas parties. Today is the Royal Rangers and Girls Ministries Christmas party. We've had a staff Christmas party already. We have uh, Christmas parties that are happening on the 20th of this uh, this month on our Wednesday night. They're, they're, Christmas is just exploding constantly here at Christ's legacy. And you know what's interesting about all of this is that even though we have all these wonderful traditions, we, we do these traditions because something special happens inside of each and every one of us. It connects us with the memories and the feelings that we have of the past. We look back at the past and we see how wonderful things have been, and, and, and so we do that thing over and over again, trying to hold on to the feeling that it gives us. But how many of you know that, that no matter how many years you have the same tradition, uh, Christmas always feels a, a little bit different? No matter what you try to do, you can try to make everything stay the same. And, you know, you can decorate the tree with your, with your kids. And, and you can hold your daughter up to put the star on. And that's fun when she's three. But it's weird and awkward when she's 23. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't carry over. And, and, uh, and you can go look at lights and it's a wonderful time, but if, you know, it's raining on Christmas Eve when you're looking at lights and, and, and the car is fogging up and you can't see and you're constantly rubbing the windows, it's not as fun. And, and, and whenever you're, uh, whenever you're opening gifts, if you're, if that one year your kid got the most special gift, and then this year, they were not very excited about the gift that they, you thought they were going to be excited about. It, it doesn't translate over. You see, even though we try to maintain the same traditions, you and I, we continue to change. And the danger of that situation is that 
if we allow the traditions to determine how we celebrate, then we can be going through the motions without connecting ourselves to the real meaning and the real purpose of Christmas. We can be always in search of the feeling and we can miss the newborn babe. Isn't that interesting? So as we go in today, I want to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. And I want to talk about how you and I should feel and respond to Christmas within our community. If you're following us in the Bible app, I want to invite you to, uh, to go into your menu and click on events. And if you have your location services enabled, you can simply click on uh, events and uh, a map will pop up. You can find Christ's legacy there and you'll be able to see all of our notes and uh, discussion questions along with uh, uh, all the announcements that you saw today and more. Uh, it's a great resource for those of you that are following along with us. But again, it, as we go into the Bible, we find this Christmas story that's recorded in Luke chapter 2. And I want to see how certain people within the Christmas story responded. Here it is, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born, meaning Mary and Joseph. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night... There were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Do not be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angel had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing them, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' story were astonished but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angels had told them. Wow. What an amazing count, account of, of the birth of our Savior. Angels and shepherds and Mary and Joseph 
it, it really is amazing to see how many groups responded to the birth of our Savior. But today, I want to take a look at four groups of people or, or, and, and see how they responded to Christ. The first group I want to take a, a look at is, is angels. And I think I would like to ask everybody, especially our kids, to act like angels. Anybody say amen to that? Now, okay. Now, for the sake of the point, we're, I'm not asking you just to, to be good, for goodness sake, because, you know, Santa is watching, right? We tell that to our kids, but when I say act like angels, I'm not, I'm not asking us to, to act good. What I'm asking us to do is respond like the angels responded here in this passage of Scripture. You see, many people study angels. I had some folks ask me about angels uh, this past Wednesday night. Um, the, the study of angels is called angelology. I'm not going into depth of that study, but I think it's interesting. Uh, and I, I, I would like to ask you, or I'd like to tell you a little bit about angels so that you can have an understanding or a background as to why they may, may be responding like this. Out of Scripture, we find that angels respond, or angels act like this, okay? That they praise God, they worship God, they rejoice in what God does, they serve God, appear before God, they're instruments of God's judgment, bring answers to prayer, aid in winning people to Christ, observe Christian work, order and suffering, encourage in times of danger, care for the righteous in times of death. Angels are busy. They're busy, and that's just the list I was able to put together. I'm sure that there's somebody out there that's writing down the say, oh, Pastor John, you forgot about something. I probably did. Write it in your notes. Let me know. But the interesting thing about these angels is that every time that you see in Scripture the angel of the Lord appearing, we usually, and doing something, we, we see an angel or a couple of angels but in this moment, he was incredibly terrifying. That's pretty usual. Angels can be scary people, okay? That's why every time they appear, they say, whoa, hey, don't be afraid, okay? I don't know why I just made an angel sound like he's from Brooklyn, but uh, <laughs> scary, right? <laughs> but, but he begins with, don't be afraid, do not fear. And then immediately, suddenly, the Bible says, a host of angels, heaven's armies, begin saying something. And they said in verse 14, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth with whom God is pleased. See, this is where we get that well-known song, Gloria in Excelsis Deo, which is Latin for that glory to God in the highest heaven. But as pleasant, as wonderful as that sounds, and I, I'm not sure that that's exactly the way that the shepherds heard it. You, you see, if you watch like military training on TV and you see them all shouting as they drill or they perform exercises, it, you kind of get an idea, but something changes whenever you're standing in front of a thousand soldiers that are yelling at the top of their lungs in unison something, and you can actually make sense of it, it will 
shake you to your core to hear that kind of, that kind of noise, that kind of level of volume. And if I imagine all of heaven's armies begin to cry out and to begin to say, begin to shout and begin to praise glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth with whom God's favor rests. It would shake people to the very core of their being. And to think that that every other message by angels is good enough just for one one angel to announce here in this passage of scripture we see that it was the privilege of the angels for every angel all of the hosts of heaven to be able to announce the birth of Jesus the captain of the Lord's army how amazing would it have been to hear the hosts of heaven crying out praising God it must have been so wonderful. It must have been so fantastically loud. When we see these, these angels, we hear about these angels crying out. It was the privilege to announce that the king of kings had stepped out of heaven and wrapped himself in humility as a babe, the son of God. See, this, this was... Everything that the, that the shepherds could do just to see all of this. We're not exactly sure how long this went on for. But it went on long enough for the shepherds to wrap their mind around what was being said and understand the message and to turn that fear into excitement because the shepherds understood the message behind the angels. You see, I, I think that we ought to respond to Christmas like these angels. That while each one of us can praise God on our own, it's our privilege, our responsibility, our excitement, our enthusiasm to, to come together and to worship, to praise to give glory to God for what he's done, for coming here, for sending, for sending the answer to the need that we had and needing a, and needing a savior. You and I, we're called to worship. We're called to praise. We're called to cry out together. This Christmas, as we celebrate we don't celebrate just alone. We don't celebrate and observe Christ just in our own homes and just in our own ways and just in our own traditions. We come together and we join heaven in crying out and praising God for who he is and what he has done. Amen. But not only are we to act like the shepherds, I want us to act, excuse me, act like the angels. I want us to act like the shepherds. These shepherds, they were, they heard this important message. And, and I want to take a moment to understand uh, who the shepherds were and, and how one gets to be a shepherd, because that's going to help us understand our role as well. You see, shepherds, their job was to guard the sheep, to know everything about the sheep, to help them get fed and get watered and go to sleep. And matter of fact, they would, um, the shepherds would take their sheep into sheepfolds at night and they would count those sheep 
before they turned in. And, and in the morning, they'd count the sheep again uh, before they went out just to make sure that they still had all the sheep. The shepherds were responsible with knowing everything there was about the sheep because it was very important to their, to their way of life. But one doesn't necessarily aspire to becoming a shepherd, okay? This is a, this is a lowly task. As a matter of fact, the way it usually happened uh, in the Middle East is that, is that as a father had their first son, their first son would go out and be a shepherd, and then the father would have another son, and the, 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 the first son would kind of graduate up out of that, and so on and so forth, until the first son took his rightful place next to the father, helping produce crops and doing all those other things. Meanwhile, the last son to be born... He's the shepherd. Yeah, yeah. All the other jobs by all the other sons were filled. And that last guy, he was stuck with being a shepherd. That was going to be his life. As a matter of fact, we see this play out all through the Bible, but especially in the life of Jesse and David, when David was out with the sheep. He was son number eight. Shepherding is pretty lowly. As a matter of fact, I was... That was one of the lowest places you can be in society. You were the last born son. You had the smallest inheritance. Uh, you weren't a part of the culture. You were always roaming on the outskirts of town uh, with the sheep. It was, just, it was just a very humble way of life. But isn't that amazing? That a typical way of announcing the birth of a king would be to the king. And then the king and then his court would find out. And then from the court, the important leaders across the region. And then, and then those people would tell their administration. And then it would constantly be pressed down into society. And the last people to find out anything were shepherds and people like that. But that's not the way that, that God chose to reveal himself to us. As a matter of fact, the very first people were the lowliest. The very first people to know the promise had arrived were the people not in town. Uh, the, the, the people that didn't deserve to know. The people that were kind of rough around the edges. The people that, that, uh, that weren't in the in crowds and doing all the in things. We, we find out in verse 9 that the shepherds were there guarding their flocks by night. Just like they were supposed to. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them and they were terrified. And then they heard the message of Christmas that the Messiah had come. That he was a baby. And instead of doubting, instead of wondering, instead of all of this, what did the shepherds do? They were, they were excited. They just took the angels at face value. Of course, I mean, it was angels, so they had some kind of proof. But what do they see? Let's go together and let's see this thing that the Lord has told us. And they rushed into Bethlehem. And we don't exactly know how they found Mary and Joseph. We know they found him, but we don't exactly know how they, they found him. 
You know, when we, when we watch the TV shows, you know, it's the beam of light that's on the manger and, and that's how the shepherd, but I, I would probably think that the shepherds are outside of the town. They can, they're overlooking the town. Maybe there's a few fires. They're rushing down off the hillside, leaving their sheep. It didn't leave sheep, but they left their sheep. They rushed into town and they began to yell out to people, who's just had a baby? <laughs> And they start knocking on doors and they start going around to, to people's homes and everybody is pushing them off, telling them to get out of there. And, and, and they didn't stop until somebody somewhere said, yeah, yeah, I heard somebody having a baby over there, but it, it sounds kind of weird. So be careful. And the shepherds rushed. And I imagine that when they found Jesus, they rushed in. And realized that they had found exactly what they had been searching for. And everything began to slow for them. They knelt down on their knees. They fell on their face. And they were the first to worship Christ the King. Shepherds. They didn't earn it. They didn't deserve it. But in God's upside down kingdom. Where where those that don't earn it and those that don't deserve it and those that shouldn't be there but got there by the glory and the grace of God. I kind of identify with these shepherds. And then what did they do? They stood up and they said, let's tell everybody that we know and tell everybody that we don't because somebody else needs to be here. Somebody needs to see this. And they began to go around and tell everybody what the angels had told them and what they saw. And everybody that they told, Scripture says, were amazed. They were amazed. Why? Shepherds weren't making this stuff up. They weren't smart enough to make this stuff up. They didn't ever do this. They didn't want to be there. They didn't want to talk to them. They wanted to be with their sheep, but something happened. People knew that. They said, why aren't you with your sheep? And they told them, angels came to us. This is something you need to see. See, I think that when you and I really come into a genuine relationship, we have genuine contact with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, something happens in our lives that changes who we are. And there's nothing and no one that can keep us from letting other people know what we've seen and what we've heard and what we've, what we've experienced. Because you know what? I don't have to know everything there is to know in the Bible. And I don't have to know all the, all the history. And I don't have to know all the theology. I don't have to know all the answers. All I know is that I met the Savior and he changed my life and he can change your life. You just come with me. I'll show you how. And my friends, your life will never be the same. But many of us, we, we spend so much time wondering and caring and concerned about how the message is going to be received by others. I want to remind you that the shepherds woke people up in the middle of the night. They knocked on people's door. Why don't you try going through your neighborhood and knock on people's door at night? Seeing how they received Jesus. Can I tell you about my Lord and Savior? No. <laughs> no soliciting. <laughs> but you and I, 
We have this wonderful opportunity to, to, to talk and reveal Jesus to a world that so desperately needs him. And they don't know. They say Christmas like they know, but they don't know Christmas like you and I know Christmas. You and I know Christmas because we celebrate it every, every day of the year. We celebrate it every Sunday. We celebrate the coming of our King, our Lord. And it's not just the coming of his birth, but the coming into our life. It changes us from the inside out. I love our church. I, I love the fact that we get to worship in, in padded seats and in climate-controlled building with lights and really, you know, really great singers and then a pastor that forgets to turn his mic off. I, I, I love the fact that we have greeters and donuts and coffee, and, and I love the fact that we have coffee, and, and uh, I love the fact that we have coffee. It's worth repeating. I love all the friendly faces. I love the family. But the shepherds, when they came to worship, when they told everybody what they saw, they didn't say, come to come to see all the lights and come to see the Christmas play. And they didn't say, come and sit in the padded chairs. And they didn't say, come and grab a donut and coffee. They didn't say, come and, and, and see all the pleasant people that I hang around with once a week. And they, 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 didn't, they didn't come and, and see what kind of church we were, what kind of flavor and denomination. They, they, said, they said, one thing, come and see a Savior. Amen. Come and see a Savior. And I'm grateful for all the stuff that we have. But family, there ought to be one, one message that comes from us. All this stuff is nice, but come and meet a Savior that changed my life. And he can change yours too. We're a community of single-minded people that love the Lord and love each other. Shepherds told everybody, and we're his witnesses as well. Next, I think that we ought to act like the Magi, the wise men during Christmas. And let's look at what the Magi, the wise men, they're a, another group who responded to Jesus' birth. There are some men that traveled from the east, we're not exactly sure. Some scholars suggest that they were Iranian originally, uh, maybe further east than that. But we don't know if there were three wise men, that's how we represent them because that's the number of gifts that they brought, but there were almost certainly more than that. And these wise men, they came, and let's see how they responded to Jesus' birth. They entered, Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You see, these wise men, these, these magi, they saw the sign in the sky and understood what it meant as they practiced astrology. And they understood that it was the birth of the king. And they, they went and they, they traveled all the way to Bethlehem and they found this, this newborn king laying in, a, laying in their house, uh, Mary and, and Joseph's home. And... And they knelt before Jesus and they begin to worship. 
But scholars are very interested in the type of gifts that the Magi brought to worship. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And as we look into each one of those gifts, we discover that these gifts have a deeper meaning. Let's start with gold. The first gift was gold, and this gift was not just a display of wealth, but it was a statement. It was the acceptance of the kingship that Jesus had. Jesus is king. And we see back in Daniel chapter 7, starting in verse 13, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming, and he came up the ancient, uh, up to the ancient of days, meaning the Father, and he was presented before him, and to him was given dominion, honor, and a kingdom, so that all people, nations, and populations of all languages might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which, has, which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. This is the kind of Jesus that we serve, ladies and gentlemen. The kind of Jesus that is a king of kings. And a ruler of all nations and all tribes and all tongues. And this, this king that was born in such humility... And such humility with a straw as a scepter, wrapped in a humble robe of swaddling clothes. This king didn't remain that way. You see, many people during Christmas, we look at Jesus and we celebrate him as a baby. Ladies and gentlemen, may I remind you that Jesus isn't, is no longer a baby. He has a scepter. And he has a crown. And he's roped in royal robes. And ladies and gentlemen, he carries with him the authority of all of heaven. And the only question is, is will he be your king now? Or will he be your judge later? Number two, the second gift was frankincense. Frankincense represents Jesus' deity. In the Old Testament, frankincense was traditionally burned in the temple as offerings. We see this in Leviticus 2.2. 2, 2. By bringing this gift, the Magi affirmed Jesus was no ordinary man. He was both fully God and fully man. We find out in Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 9, For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is head over every ruler and authority. You see, Jesus is transcended over every religion, every spiritual thing, every ruler, every authority, every power. He is deity and he is God. And number three, myrrh. See, myrrh is this, um, it's a resin from a tree that people would take in and it was traditionally used in medication and incense and all sorts of things. And before we had modern embalming techniques, they would Use myrrh to, to push all over the body to help with embalming before they laid the person to rest. We find out that myrrh in this was foreshadowing Christ's death. 
when he was born, he was born with a purpose. He was born to die for you and I. John 19, 38. Now after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one for fear of the Jews, requested of Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate granted permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus, who had first come to him by night, also came bringing a mixture of what? Myrrh and aloes. About a hundred litras. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen wrapping with spices. And, and is, uh, is the burial custom of the Jews. These, these gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh highlighted Jesus' royalty as king of kings. As high priest. And prophesied of his death. Folks, when these wise men submitted themselves before this little babe, they recognized each one of these points as they worshiped him and they gave him their very best gift. You see, just as the angels were called to praise, just as as the shepherds were called to witness, just as the wise men were called to offer Jesus our very best gifts. What a privilege it is to recognize Jesus for who he is, for what he's done and what he's going to do in your life. What a privilege it is to give Jesus our very best. I want to challenge you this season to look at what he's done in your heart and your life for being the King of kings and the Lord of lords and being your high priest, for being your sacrifice, and for bowing down. and uh, I want to challenge you to bow down and worship him and offer him your very best. But number four, I don't want you to act like Herod. That's right. Don't, don't be murderous and don't kill Thousands of babies, okay? Don't do that. Uh, see, Herod was another one that found out about the birth of Jesus. He found out about Jesus' birth, and, and what's interesting is, is that uh, uh, he didn't respond the same way that the angels and the shepherds and the, the magi responded. He, he responded in an altogether different way. Herod was a, a non-Jew who was appointed king over the region of Judea and Rome. Uh, by the Roman Senate. And uh, he was uh, appointed that as early as 37 years before Christ had come. But in the meantime, he had a wife, uh, a queen, and a, and a family, especially three sons. And, and what's interesting is that Herod, in order to gain control and keep control of his kingdom and his throne, he was so insecure he held on to his power by killing his wife and his three sons. And we find out how Herod responded to the birth of Jesus. What I've done is I've taken Matthew chapter 2 and I've broken it into sections so we can 
spotlight Herod throughout this scripture. Follow along as I read Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 3. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, meaning the birth of Christ, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Verse 7. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time that the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me, get this, so that I can go and worship him too. Interesting. Verse 12. When it was time to leave, the, the, uh, they, meaning the wise men, returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. And then jump down to verse 16. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. You see, Herod was a proud ruler. He protected his authority and he tried to control it at any cost, even if it meant killing his own family to try to keep the throne. It was his own insecurity and his own pride to, that drove him to be murderous. But I think what's even more interesting in this story is to hear about what Herod did for the community. Herod was the one, the ruler that was responsible in rebuilding the temple. Herod was the one that was responsible for renovating much of the area, including all of the Jewish buildings in other towns. Herod spent his, his, his time in the kingdom building up the community. Yet, in his own security, trying to keep his own control of the throne... He was murderous, and when he found out about Jesus, he murdered so many more babies. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I would tell you not to act like Herod. But what's frightening to me is that we may be more like Herod than what we'd be willing to admit. Because the truth is, is that we can come into the church and we can celebrate Christmas and we can help build the church and we can be good members of our community and we can try to build the community and everything that we do, we can try to put a good face forward saying, look at us, look how wonderful we are. But meanwhile, our families are falling apart on the inside and you may not be killing your family, but if you hate your family, you're probably guilty of the same crime. And if Jesus came into our hearts and our lives and we we're faced there, face to face, realizing that his authority was supposed to transcend our, our very own. And because he demands to be king of kings and lord of lords over everything, including our very own wills, would we resist his kingship? Would we resist submitting to him? Would we do everything that we could to hold on to the control of our very own lives and our very own hearts? 
you see, ladies and gentlemen, friends, family, we're in a place in our society where it's becoming more and more evident who loves Jesus and who doesn't. But in the course of living for him and trying to maintain our own Christmas traditions, we can be guilty of celebrating Jesus without making him Lord of our hearts and our lives and submitting to his own authority. Folks, he is the king, but he doesn't take your will away from you. You must come. It's our delight and our privilege to praise him. It's our genuine response to tell others what he's done for us. out of a thankful and grateful heart we give him our very best but perhaps we're here today dressed so nicely, smiles meanwhile in our own homes, in our own lives things are falling apart meanwhile we resist God's authority in our own lives And here and now we're face to face with the question, how do we respond to Jesus? Will he be your king? Will will he be your God? Will he be your savior? That's the question. Would you stand with me all over this place? In just a few moments, we're going to receive communion. We're an open communion church. That simply means that you don't have to be a member of this church in order to receive communion. But if you've come into the place and you've missed those communion elements, I would like to invite you to raise your hand and we're going to have an usher make them available to you all over this place. We see some hands here, hands here. I apologize if I can't see your hand. I think there's some hands here and here, guys. Thank you. But as you stand and hold these elements of communion in your hand, Perhaps there is one that hasn't submitted to his authority. Perhaps there's one here that that all of your life you've celebrated Christ and his birth because of the festivities and the traditions and actually come and submitted to him haven't actually come to worship him ladies and gentlemen now is the time today is your day 
Let's bow and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you, Lord, for this message. Lord, it's such a timely message for us. Lord, allow us, Lord, to submit our hearts to you. By the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray, God, that you'd be here and draw people to you in Jesus' name. With your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, making this moment a personal moment for you. If you're here this morning and you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'd like to invite you to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you, but I just want to know who I'm praying with this morning. If that's you, would you simply slip up your hand so that I know that I can pray with you? Looking all around. You want to make Jesus your very own Lord and Savior. Yes, thank you, sir. Thank you in the back. There's two. Anyone else? Just for a moment longer. Praise God. Praise God. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for these hands that were raised today. Holy Spirit, I pray, God, that your power would not only draw them to you, but, Lord, that you would regenerate their heart and their life, Lord. Lord, that you would wash them white as snow. And, Lord, from this point forward, their celebration wouldn't be just of a babe that was born but Lord, it would be you as the king of their hearts, their high priest, and their sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus. Perhaps you're here today, and we've gotten familiar with all the traditions and all the celebration but you want to commit with me today to respond to Jesus in a right way. You want to worship. You want to tell others. You want to bring your very best to him. I want to ask you to commit to that today. Determine that in your life, in your heart, in your family's life, that you're going to lead and you're going to guide your family in responding to Jesus in that way. And perhaps today, the very best way that you and I may respond to him is not only by remembering that he came, but remembering why he came. And he came to be a sacrifice for our sins. That his body was broken blood was shed so that you and I could have healing and forgiveness of our sins that we may be cleansed from all unrighteousness and that we could stand guilt and shame free before before the king of kings and the lord of lords before our sacrifice because of what he's done. If you will, take the bread with me in just a moment. We'll pray and eat. On the night that he was betrayed, he took that bread and he broke it. And giving thanks, he said, this is my body that was broken for you. As often as you eat it, remember me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you, Lord Jesus, for the gift of your son, 
I thank you, Jesus, for allowing your body to be broken, Lord, for our healing. And Lord, this morning, I claim hold of the promise on behalf of every person in this room. Lord, a promise to heal broken bodies, broken hearts, broken lives. Lord, as we hold this symbol, knowing, God, that what was broken will no longer be broken. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take an eat. represents the blood of Christ that was shed for you and I. That night in the same manner, he held the cup and he showed us that it was a new, the cup was represented a, a new covenant, a covenant represent, a covenant written in blood. That each one of these drops of blood were from him and symbolizes of every one of our sins. Because when you drink this cup and you're in right relationship with Him, He not only forgives us of our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness, but it draws us closer to Him and closer to each other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You and I praise You, Lord. Lord, not only for what this cup represents, but I thank you for what it's doing right now in our hearts and our lives. As people drink this, I pray, God, that their sins would be forgiven, Lord. Lord, Lord that although our hearts may be as scarlet, they will be made as white as snow. We thank you for the sacrifice and the spilling of your blood in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take And Jesus went on to say, I will do this until he comes. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't just celebrate the birth of a king. We don't just celebrate the sacrifice. But we stand here today with expectancy and urgency that Jesus is coming soon. He could come before I say amen. Wouldn't that be nice? This Christmas, would you celebrate with urgency? Would you, would you celebrate with praise? Would you, would you celebrate by telling others what you found in Him? Would, would you celebrate by bringing your very best gift? Would you help us celebrate by remembering that He is coming soon? I want to be a church where people find Jesus. I want to be, be a church where people have hope. I want to be a church where we do life together. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that as we respond to you this season, Lord Jesus, we respond to everything that you had for us. 
we respond in the right way and we'll give you all the praise and glory. Help us now to be your witnesses in Jesus' name. Amen.